You're now tuned in to this week's episode of our Light the Way and Friends podcast. We love having you here, and it's our mission to encourage you with hope by sharing everyday real-life stories, interviews with gifted Christian leaders, and some of your favorite Christian artists. We know God has a special plan for your life, and we pray this episode is going to bless you and show you how to fully rely on God. And now, here are your hosts. Happy Easter, everybody. You know, it's a wonderful thing to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It sealed the work on the cross. It assures us of eternal life, the resurrection of the body. It's so exciting to spend a few minutes with you honoring him and thinking about how he impacts our life when we surrender our life to him. About two and a half years ago, you might have heard, my doctor found a spot on my left lung that he didn't like. It turned out to be a malignant tumor, cancerous, and they said there was no cure for it. Nine to 12 months and you'll be dying. That's what my doctor said the first time when he informed me of it. It was a very shaking moment, but suddenly I began to think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's alive. He's my savior. Uh, He lives in me. He's given me eternal life when I was a 12-year-old boy after my father had died and went to heaven because he was a, a young man who died and went to be with Christ at age 34. And so I want to talk about the resurrection today because it's one of the most glorious subjects that God has ever revealed to us. And so, first of all, let me read to you a few verses about the day of resurrection. That Sunday morning, after Jesus had died on the cross, he was buried, and then on Sunday morning, he rose from the dead. And this is what John chapter 20 says. Listen to the word of the Lord. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple that Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running and the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked into at the strips of linen lying by by the place where Jesus had lain. And then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He also saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside, and he saw and believed they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Now I'm going to skip to verse 18. Mary Magdalene stayed at the tomb. Jesus came out, you remember, and said to her, Mary. And when he said Mary, she recognized his voice. And she fell at his feet and clasped his feet and said, Rabbi, which means master. And then the Scripture goes on to tell you this on verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together and the doors were locked for fear of the religious leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
If you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, verse 24, one of the 12 who was not with the disciples that day when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, listen to this, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them this time. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and once again said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And then the passage closes with these words. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name the Holy Word of God. What a beautiful story it is. Now today, you know, there's a lot of excitement going on all over the world. There are troubles, biological problems, economic problems, business problems, wars and rumors of wars. But there are three great things that come out of the great story and the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First of all, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that day which makes him alive today, uh, overthrew the grave. The cross and the resurrection destroyed the power of death and Satan and demons and the fear of eternity, the fear of hell. Jesus Christ came out of the tomb victorious after that day. And Jesus Christ said in relation to his resurrection, listen to these words that you probably know off by heart. It says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Now that is a profound statement and very important to have in our hearts as we think about the living Lord Jesus Christ, who then 40 days later ascended into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and he's been reigning forever since then. Now, the Bible teaches that the two ways of looking at the resurrection. The first one is a spiritual resurrection. You know, all of us are dead because of sin, spiritually dead. That is, we're cut off from God. Then one day we repent. When we've heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, we believe in him, we trust him, we bow before him, we receive him in our hearts, and we become children of God. That is a spiritual resurrection. Our spirit and our soul come alive to God. We're not dead anymore spiritually. We're not separated from God. We've been risen with Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter three, you might remember says, since you are risen with Christ, keep your eyes on things above, 
not on things of earth. We are risen with Christ, and it's a spiritual resurrection. That's why you hear people talk and say, you know, I was born again in 1947, which was my experience. I was 12 years old, and I opened my heart to Christ, and I became a child of God, and I've known the Lord Jesus Christ ever since then. And as he said in, in John 11, uh, verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life, and me, Luis Palau, I have known my spiritual resurrection since a 12-year-old boy down in South America because the missionaries brought me the reality of the cross of Christ and his resurrection, and Christ came into my heart. And now I'm in middle 80s, and yet I've still got the same eternal life thanks to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That night, I opened my heart to Jesus Christ. I was spiritually raised from the spiritually dead. I've got eternal life. I'm a child of God. It's so exciting. But I have a question for you. Have you ever made that decision? You notice when we read a few seconds ago about Thomas in John chapter 20, and when he suddenly saw the risen Lord, and he looked at the nail prints in his hands and his side where the spear had been thrown in by the Roman soldier, he fell on his knees and said, my Lord and my God. Have you ever said that to Jesus Christ? If not, in a few minutes, I want to give you an invitation right where you are, right at this minute, that you can bow your head before Almighty God and our Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God, and say to him, my Lord and my God. Oh, I hope you do it. If you don't have the assurance of eternal life, you should have it and you can have it. Now, the second resurrection is the resurrection of the body. And the Bible teaches us that the risen Lord Jesus one day will raise us up with him physically. Our bodies, you know, what happens when a Christian dies? When a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, dies, his body remains here on planet Earth. But where does the person go? The person goes to be with Jesus Christ, the soul, the spirit, the real us. We leave the body behind, which the Bible calls a tent in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, but we go straight to be with the Lord. And you know, it's such an exciting reality, the fact that when you open your heart to Christ and the moment your heart stops beating and the doctor says, he's gone or she's gone, where are you? Your body remains on planet Earth till the day of resurrection of the body. But the person goes to be with the Lord. The Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he was able to overcome the grave and death and hell and Satan and demons and fear. Everything sad and awful that happened because of our sinfulness was destroyed that day when Jesus rose from the dead. So wherever you are right now, bow your head to the Savior and open your heart to him and say to him like Thomas said, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. And you know, when you do that, there's an enormous transformation that takes place. Ever since I was a teenager, I was always amazed at the stories that I would read about people who had been enslaved and, um, uh, by drink, by drugs, by immorality, by temper, all the things that enslave us spiritually because of sin, and how Jesus Christ can turn a person around 100%. We in our family have an example of one of our four sons. My wife, Pat, and I have four boys. The number three son, Andrew, who's written a book called The Secret Life of a Fool, 
He did not come to Christ until he was 27 years old. For many years, we had to suffer through watching him loving the world, uh, smoking three packs a day, drinking eight to 10 beers at night just to be able to sleep, doing drugs and a worldly lifestyle, and it broke our hearts. But one day at age 27, we saw an amazing change in his life. And that's what the living Christ can do for you and has done for so many millions. God says in the Bible that Christ rose from the dead over and over again. People have testified to it, and I have seen it in my life. But we saw it in our son, Andrew, how his life was revolutionized in just a few weeks, a few days, really. He was at the stadium in Kingston, Jamaica, and he decided, I'm coming back to God. I'm going to surrender to Jesus Christ. He'd never really done that before. Secondly, he went to a retreat with young people. At that retreat, an opportunity opened up and he confessed all his sins to the Lord, one by one by one. And he told me a few weeks later when he called me, he told me that he got it off his chest, that he was able to confess to the Lord all his sinfulness and understand that Christ lived in him. And he became a new Andrew at age 27. Having lived in the world, his life was so revolutionized by the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Because, you know, the Bible says a famous verse that I love, one of my favorite verses, Galatians 2.20. Whenever I autograph a book or a Bible, I usually put Galatians 2.20. It goes like this. I am crucified with Christ. And that's what happened to Andrew that day when he surrendered to Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But it's not I, it's Christ living in me. Ah, my dear friend, I'll tell you, a revolution takes place in anyone's life when you open your heart to the living Christ and you become a new person. Andrew left Boston where he was working, came back to Portland, Oregon, where we as a family were living. His life was revolutionized. He began to study the Word of God. He spent hours on his knees praying, reading the Bible. He married a beautiful gal from Jamaica. And now they got two sons and a daughter. And they're such a cheerful couple, such a joyful couple. And he proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ. But what impressed me so much was that it happened so quickly, so dramatically, so almost instantaneously. Or the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you remember, if anyone is in Christ, you become a new person altogether. The old is gone, the new has come. And we've seen it in our own family. And today, at this very moment, the same Lord Jesus Christ that came into my son Andrew's life, that came into my life when I was 12, my dad when he was only 22, the same Lord Jesus is alive. And if you've never had the experience of knowing his resurrection power or giving your heart to him in a minute, a few minutes, I'm going to give you a chance to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to let the power of the risen Christ come into your life. The power that raised Jesus from the dead, Ephesians chapter 1 says in the Bible, is the same power that is at work in us. So when you receive Christ, you experience the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it isn't that your efforts change you, it's His presence in you. When Christ comes in, your life is revolutionized. And I've seen the change in so many lives, Christ lives in me. That's the secret. That's the secret of a victorious Christian life. Not a struggling, bumbling, 
constantly rolling in the dirt kind of a life, but a victorious Christian life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, Thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumph. One translation puts it in triumphal procession in Christ. When Christ comes into your life, believe me, it's going to be a bombshell. It's going to be a transformation. There's going to be a change in your life. The peace of God that passes all understanding will fill your heart. First, peace, because the blood of Christ shed on the cross purifies your conscience and your heart. Second, power to overcome temptations. You don't become perfect, but you're a new person and you overcome temptation, not by your self-effort, but because Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. And that's not a figure of speech. That's a reality. Christ comes in to live to your heart because he rose from the dead and in all his almighty power, he comes to live within us. And when we understand it, by the way, I was 25 when I finally truly understood Christ lives in you, Luis. It's not you trying to please God. It's not you killing yourself to, to be up, uh, up to his standards. It's him living in you who will take over your life and help you to think biblical thoughts, to know God and to have that supernatural power. Because when Christ comes in, it's the Holy Spirit of God who comes in. And so God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit take over your life. And when he does, my goodness, what an impact, what a change, what peace, what joy, because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, self-control. There's great power when you receive Jesus Christ. So the living Christ first overcame the grave and death and sin and Satan and demons and hell. He broke loose from death and he comes to live within you. Secondly, he comes to give you power to live a victorious Christian life. But then thirdly, 40 days after he rose from the dead, you remember this, Jesus ascended into heaven. Do you remember? Acts chapter 1. You can read it for yourself again when, when, when we're through. And, in, and there's where Jesus ascended into heaven, and then two angels came down, and the disciples were looking up as he disappeared through the clouds. And the angel said, O Galileans, what are you looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has gone up into heaven will come back the same way you saw him go up. And you know, the Bible teaches, and this is the third point. Jesus said in John chapter 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. Remember this? You believe in God. You trust in God. Trust also in me. And then he said, in my father's house, heaven, there are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And then he said, and when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and snatch you to be with me so that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus Christ at this very moment, the living Christ, is preparing a place, a mansion, the Bible says, uh, in heaven, in the Father's house, so that when we when he comes back to take us all and snatch us out of here, we all go to be to the presence of God Almighty and we shall always be with the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's when the resurrection of the body happens. So you remember we mentioned there's a spiritual resurrection and then there's a resurrection of the body. 
Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, which impacted me when I found out that I had this cancer and that I could have been gone two and a half years ago. The Lord has kept me a year and a half longer than my doctors thought, but that's his doing. But the Bible puts it this way. Paul says, the time for my departure has come. He sensed that the time was coming when he was going to go back to heaven. St. Peter says the same thing in 2 Peter. The Lord has told me that my time is near. So when you are getting ready to go to heaven, the Lord seems to speak by the Holy Spirit and give you that sense of confidence. I'm going to be with Jesus, which is better by far. And you know, my father came to Christ through missionaries in South America and he opened his heart to Christ at age 22. At age 34, he was dying. And then the family was around the bed. I was only 10 years old. Four of my five sisters were around the bed too. And my dad sat up in bed and he began to sing a song and clap his hands. And uh, he sang a song about heaven. And then exhausted from the galloping fever, his head fell on the pillow and he pointed up to heaven in front of the whole family. And he said, I'm going to be with Jesus, which is better by far. And a few moments later, he went to be with the Lord. Why did he have that confidence? First, because when he was 22, he opened his heart to Christ. Secondly, because he knew from the word of God that he was ready to go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. So what about you? Maybe you've known the good news. Maybe your dad and mom have told you about Christ. Maybe you've heard the stories on a television program or on a radio, or maybe you've read the Bible for yourself, but have you ever opened your heart to Christ? And you know, today, as we think about the resurrection of Jesus, he says to you, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. In other words, we'll have a party like you've never had before, but you have to make your own decision. I would like to guide you in a moment of commitment where you open your heart to Christ for yourself. I want to lead you to Jesus Christ right now. And if you've never opened your heart to Christ, let me guide you in a prayer. I will lead you phrase by phrase. And if you've never opened your heart to Christ, I would like you at this very moment to receive him into your heart. And remember, it says, God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. Whoever has the Son of God has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not yet have life. If you want the assurance of eternal life, pray with me this prayer at this very minute. Let me guide you. And if you're alone, pray out loud to the Lord. Or even if there's family around, let them hear you praying out loud to Jesus Christ. You give your life to Christ right now and you'll never forget this moment when the Son of God came into your heart. So let's pray together. Pray with me these words. O oh God Almighty, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the assurance of eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that on that cross many years ago, you died in my place. Thank you for taking away my sin. Thank you for giving your blood so that you could purify my conscience. Right now, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Make me your child. 
Give me the assurance of eternal life. I want to know you now. And I want to land in heaven the day you call me up. And, oh, Lord, I will serve you. I will obey you. I will live for you and bring others into your kingdom. Thank you, Father. I'm yours forever because now Christ lives in me. And I thank you in his name. Amen. Well, if you open your heart to Christ, you might want to tell someone as soon as possible what you did and what you began to experience in your life. And then someone will talk to you to guide you in the next steps of your walk with Jesus Christ. God bless you, and let's worship our Savior, Jesus, who's alive, risen from the dead, forever and ever and ever. Bye-bye, and the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Light the Way and Friends podcast. Make sure to subscribe today and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Light the Way Ministry. Be sure to tune in next week for more inspiring conversations that bring hope and light so you can live a better life. And as always, regardless of whatever you're faced with today, Jesus is always there with you to light the way.